I told Norm last night what I posted on Facebook, just in case anybody said something to him today. <laughs> in case you missed it, I talked about the fact that when we got married 22 years ago, it was an outdoor wedding in Red Bluff, and it was over 110. It was miserable. And so we went outside, because my mother got this little trellis. I mean, she was so proud of it. So we went out, quickly had our wedding, quickly went in, changed our clothes. And so the picture that you all signed for us two years ago for our 20th, when Norm was in the hospital, was we'd already changed out of our clothes and we're cutting the cake. So it wasn't that casual, but still it was outdoors. And at the end I put, and Norm, I love you and I still think you're hot. So <laughs> I told him, I said, I better tell everybody that just, or better tell you in case people, you know, say something about it. But Anyway, it was hot. I am, really, I am really excited to be sharing with you this morning, and I thank you, Pastor Doug, for the opportunity. It's been a while, and I feel a little rusty, maybe is the word. But I got before the Lord, and I just started praying. And I'm like, oh, God, I haven't done this in a while. And, oh, God, I haven't been praying enough. You know those things we do? We beat ourselves up. You know, I, I haven't spent much time in the Word when I'm falling asleep at night, you know, and, and I get up at four in the morning. I mean, all these excuses. But I was feeling really kind of negative. Like I say, beating myself up. In fact, you'll know that my mind's a little weird. All I could see was that guy in the Da Vinci Code where he's beating himself, you know, with these leather straps. And I'm like, I was really beating myself up. And so after I prayed for a while, I opened up my Bible, and this is what I love about the Lord. He can so direct us just randomly. And I opened up my word, and it went to Isaiah 61. Now, I understand that Isaiah was talking about the coming Messiah. He wasn't talking about Elaine Shelton in 2016, on July 17th. But here's what jumped out at me. It said, the spirit of the Lord, the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news. And I began to cry at that point. I said, thank you, God. This might have been Isaiah writing about the Messiah, but I love the fact that God can take a scripture and personalize it because I needed him to confirm that, yes, I've set you apart for this time, for this message to give the good news. And so after I cried for quite a while, I went on and continued to read. And here's what I found out. The scripture wasn't just about me. Like Rick Warren's book, it's not about you. This scripture was not about just me. And so I want us to look at Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 3. Now, this is my introduction. It's kind of like Pastor Doug, I think, last week. He gave this whole thing, and he goes, this is my introduction. This is my introduction because we are going to get into Acts, which is what we have been studying for all year long, I believe. But I'd like to take a moment and say, I have a guest here with me. My sister's here. She's never heard me preach. She's never been to this church. And then she brings a guest with her. So my sister Diane and Cole, we want to welcome them here today. So let's go on and look at these three verses. Carol, you got them for us here? Okay, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Now, in the NIV, is this the NIV version? It's not the NIV. That's fine. Because in the NIV version, the end of this scripture says that we have been planted as oaks or trees of righteousness to display his glory. And when I read this, that word display just jumped out of the page at me. I've read this scripture numerous times, but I had never seen that word display as much as I've, I mean, I've read it, but it didn't mean anything at the time when I read it before. Because I want you to see that in these passages, it's saying, you know, all that God has done for us, you know, he's, he heals our broken hearts. He releases us from darkness. He delivers us from captivity. He comforts us. He gives us a, a crown of beauty instead of ashes crown of beauty instead of ashes. You know, I'm not really a Hebrew-Greek person, but I did study and found out that the word for ashes in Greek, in the Hebrew, if you move one E to a different location, that word then becomes beauty in Hebrew. And I thought, that is so awesome. As quick as it takes to move one letter and change it is as quick as God can bring beauty out of ashes in our life. I know some of you have experienced it, and I believe we will continue as we live to experience beauty out of ashes. I love that. And then it says the oil of gladness instead of mourning. You know, back then, they would put oil on their face to shine. If you didn't put oil on your face, it's because you were mourning. And I thought about that. You know, women, we don't want shiny faces, do we? You know, we're like putting powder on over, you know, trying to get rid of that shine. But yeah, I know. But back then, it was the glow. It represented joy, gladness. And that's what, you know, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being the oil. And we can have that glow and that shine about us instead of mourning. And then he says a garment of praise instead of despair. Garment of praise. We can put on praise in the morning when we wake up instead of despair. But I'm reading all of this and I'm thinking, okay, God, you have done all of this for us. Why? Why? Now, I believe it's because he loves us. We're his children. He loves us so much that he wants to give us joy. He wants to give us beauty in our life. He wants to deliver us from captivity. That's true, but I think there's a different reason listed here, and that is the very end that says, he has done that so we will be oaks, trees of righteousness for to display his glory. All that he's done for us, it's not just about us. It's to display, to show his glory to the world. Now, If you ask my husband, 
he will tell you that I'm addicted to shopping. I disagree. I think it's more of just a hobby. Everybody has hobbies, right? I mean, maybe a hobby can be an addiction, but in my opinion, it's just a hobby. But I love to go. My, one of my favorite places to go is downtown Macy's. And the reason I like it is when you get on the escalator and you start up, there is this mannequin display, like three mannequins, three women there. And I love, I can't wait to see what they're wearing. You know, and sometimes, you know, during the summer, you know, of course, summer shorts, you know, they got like a little flirty, you know, their legs up, you know, and, and or they have elegant gowns on, you know, and I, and I always look at that and I think, if I worked at Macy's, that's a job I would want, to just be dressing these mannequins. Now, you know, they're, they're displaying something. If you've ever seen an, a, a naked mannequin, it's really kind of scary. You know, they don't even have faces, you know, most of them. They're just kind of formless, and they're just, like, ugly. But they put these garments on them. They dress them, and they become beautiful displays. Macy's calls it the magic of Macy's, but it's the display. They're showing you what you can buy, what their store offers, what they have. Now, we're going to talk about display, and we're going to actually go into the book of Acts, chapter 7, because I believe that this man, Stephen, was a huge tree of righteousness. He was an oak. Now, I don't know how huge he was. He might have been five foot. I don't know. In his stature, yeah, could have been very small. But he was an oak of righteousness. He was, he was grounded. He was stable. He was strong. He was mature in the Lord. And the interesting thing about Stephen is he might have only been a Christian for 12 months. 18, maybe. I did some searching because I wanted to know what was the time frame between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 7. And most commentaries say that it could be between 12 and 18 months. We don't know a lot about Stephen. We know that Um, In chapter 6, it talks about that he was appointed by the apostles, one of the seven, to oversee distribution of food. And you think, well, that might not sound like such a great job. It's kind of like maybe working at the food bank or something, you know. But in order for these guys to be chosen, they had to be full of the Holy Ghost. They had to be mature full of wisdom, men, to distribute food to, the, food to the poor, the widows that were being overlooked. So this is where we first meet Stephen, that he's being chosen. And I love the words because it says, you know, he's, he's described as being full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, full of grace, and full of power. Now, because we don't know much about his background or anything, most commentaries believe that he may have been one of the 3,000 that was saved on the day of Pentecost. He was a Jew, not from that area, but you remember this was a time when all people had gathered into Jerusalem. And so some believe that this may be when he became a Christian. So again, we're not talking about a man that's been saved for years 
and now he's mature and he's strong and rooted in God, we're talking about a matter of months. And I think that's a word we need to hear this morning as a church. It doesn't matter how long you have been saved. Maturity and spiritual growth in the Lord can happen quickly. But it depends on what you are doing about it. Are you in your word? Are you in prayer? You can be a mature person and have only known the Lord, I believe, as less as months as he has. And to be honest, I've been in the church a long time, and we look at people that have been there for 50 years, and we say, oh, they're really mature and spiritual. It's not always the case. And I don't mean that to be a slam to anybody, but that's not an indication. The length of years is not an indication of how much you are one with the Lord and and full of the Holy Spirit. So we find things about Stephen. Like I say, we don't know a lot. His works, few days. But what I like about Stephen is, you know, he's appointed to to serve food, basically. You're a mature, strong Christian man, and you're going to serve food to the poor widows. Make sure they get enough. But he didn't stop there because it says that he preached, he did miracles. He was seen by the religious Jewish leaders because, you know, they didn't like the guys that were out there preaching and performing miracles. They would imprison some of them. They would be brought before the council and be judged for what they were doing. So not only was he doing the work of what he was given to do in the church, but he was out there And you need to get this. Not only was he doing what he was given to do in the church, he was out in the world. He was out where the others were, preaching, performing miracles, doing the work of Jesus Christ. You know, we might have our little place here, and we have our seats. Norm and I have our favorite seats. This is our place. And this is where we belong as a church body. But out there is where we need to be preaching and performing miracles and not be afraid. You know, I I have to say this about what happened last Sunday. You know, we talk about we need to be performing miracles, and Jesus said we will do greater works than even he did. And yet we're so afraid to pray for somebody that's sick because if they don't get healed, that's a bad, we think it's a bad reflection on us. We're afraid to go out and do miracles or in Jesus' strength perform miracles. And to be honest, when Norm called that woman up, he had no clue whether she had a bad back. She did. And he prayed for her. But I think that's the boldness that we need as a church to be able to step out there, hear a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge from God, and act on it. And not be afraid that, oh, if it doesn't happen, it's all about me. No. God will, he'll do the work. It's his responsibility. We just need to display to the world Jesus. So, Stephen. All right, so we're going to look at Stephen. Um, It's interesting because he was out there, like I said, doing the work of of Jesus. He was preaching. He was performing miracles. And, of course, he got noticed and was brought before the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish religious council. And I did a little study on, because you know what, you read the Bible for years, and it's like, you don't really understand sometimes what it's 
all about. So I even did a little reading on the Sanhedrin. It was made up of 70 men plus the high priest. Some were priests, some were elders, but it was a large group. And so because Stephen was doing miracles and they didn't like it, they actually got some false witnesses. Kind of sounds like what happened to Jesus. Witnesses to accuse him of blasphemy. So he's brought before the Sanhedrin, standing trial, basically. Now, we're going to look at several things that I believe that Stephen displayed. And the first one is that I believe he displayed courage. Because he's called before this great group, and I don't know, were they all 71 there that day? I don't know. But he's called before this great group, accused of blasphemy. And he begins what is the longest sermon in the Bible. The longest presentation of the gospel in the Bible. He goes back and he starts from Abraham, which, you know, the Jewish guys, they like to hear this. They like to hear about their history, you know. And so he starts with Abraham and he goes all along, you know, and everything's good until he says, but your forefathers killed the prophets that God sent to them. They didn't like to hear that. They liked all the good stuff, you know. But he goes, but he didn't, this is what I like. He had courage. He didn't back down and try to, you know, soft, be, you know, just talk about the good stuff and then stop right there. He said, no, your forefathers kill the prophets, persecuted the prophets. And then he gets so much courage and he goes, and you have done the same thing to Jesus, the Messiah. Well, obviously, you know, he didn't take the... Uh, Dale Carnegie's uh, study on how to win friends, you know, and influence people because, you know, he didn't hold back. He didn't try to butter them up. He didn't try to say, well, you know, I didn't, he didn't even defend himself. Not once do you see him trying to defend himself against the false witnesses. He just presented the facts, the truth, and stood there with courage and did that. Now, obviously, they didn't like it. They did not like it. In fact, Let's look at, Carol, let's look at verse 51 to 53. Huh? It could be in the message, sure, sure. Message says, you stubborn people. Now get this, he's just given them this whole history of all that, you know, the Jewish nation, all that. Then he, then he, then he climaxes with this, you stubborn people. This is the message, Bible, by the way. You are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. They didn't like that. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. In the NIV, and it says, he calls them stiff-necked people. Uncircumcised in heart and ears. And he said, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Wow. He was really speaking truth, but it wasn't received very well. They didn't like what he had to say. But still, he displayed courage when he did that. Okay, they liked it. They disliked it so much. Look at verse 54, Carol. Here's where we see that he displayed no fear. 
When they heard this, they were furious. They were furious. <laughs> they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. I'll go ahead with what I have. After he said this, after he accused them of killing whom God had sent, it says they became so furious with him. And I, it says they gnashed their teeth at him. Gnashed. One, one Bible uh, 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 translation says they were biting him with their teeth. Well, I don't know if they really did bite him with their teeth or not, but they were gnashing their teeth. And you know, when I hear the word gnash, the only time, what, what goes through my mind is the description of hell, that there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Gnashing, it's a grinding of teeth in such pain, in such agony. These men were so mad. They were in such pain. They were in such agony because of what Stephen had said. But there's nowhere where we see that it says Stephen was afraid of them. The Bible doesn't reference that he was afraid. He remained calm. In fact, all that you saw, this angry, angriness that was coming from them, on this side is this calmness. He's okay with them getting upset at him. He displayed no fear. The third thing he displayed was faith. If you go on to the next verse, it says, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up into heaven and saw the glory of the Lord and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. These men are furious. They're an angry mob. They're, I'm sure, saying things, not only the gnashing of their teeth at him. Who knows what was really going on? But this man that was full of faith, it says that he was full of the Holy Spirit. He looked up into heaven and saw God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. What faith. What faith in the midst of this angry mob, this man, his eyes are not even focused on them and the circumstance and what's going on around them. His eyes are focused upward. And in his mind's eye, his spirit, he sees God. And he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, it's interesting because most scriptures will say that Jesus is seated at the right hand. And here it says he saw him standing at the right hand of God. And you know what? To me, I don't know what it's supposed to mean. I don't know what Bible scholars say it means. But to me, I see that he sees a child of his that is in a very dangerous situation right now. And he can't sit. He's got to stand. And, and almost like cheering him on or, or arms outstretched, comforting him, trying to say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. He couldn't sit. He had to stand because it got his attention. It's my, my way of seeing it. His loved one was in trouble. You know, when, when our loved ones are in trouble, do we just sit by and say, oh, so what? It'll, they'll, they'll take care of it themselves. No, we're so, we're so wanting to get in there and help in whatever way we can. And I feel like that was... Jesus standing, standing up there for Stephen. But, it, but Stephen, he displayed faith. He displayed faith. He didn't, he didn't look at, again, what was happening to him. Instead, 
he looked to the author and finisher of his faith, to God, and saw him at that moment. We go on in the verse and it says, As they covered their ears and they were yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Now, the one thing I believe when, when, when Stephen is looking up and he sees God and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God, he has just told them, you kill the Messiah. And now he's like, oh, look, I see him. They didn't want to hear that. They did not want to hear that. You know, it says they covered their ears. It's almost like a little kid. La, 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 la. You know, they don't want to hear. La, 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 la. I'm not listening to you. We killed him. But Stephen is saying, I see him. I see him, the one that you killed. So again, they didn't want to hear it. They covered their ears. They were yelling at the top of their voices. They rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Began to stone him. I did a little research on stoning. It said it could take anywhere from 20 minutes to two hours before someone died. Now, I don't know about you. Somebody throw a rock at me, it hurts. You know, I, I, I was teasing Mindy and Jeremy. I said, I ought to do like this visual uh, message and have everybody give, give a rock to everybody that walks in this morning. <laughs> but then Jeremy goes, yeah, but if they don't like you, they might throw it at you, you know? <laughs> but stoning, I mean, my goodness. And I don't know if it was, li- it probably wasn't little pebbles, but anywhere from 20 minutes to two hours of being pummeled with these rocks, these stones. But this crowd was so mad at him, so mad at him. He's accusing them of killing Jesus, but oh, there he is. He's alive. They covered their ears. They didn't didn't want to hear what he was saying. The other thing that I believe Stephen displayed was surrender. 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 I like the song of surrender this morning, by the way. He displayed the surrender. It says that while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. While they're stoning him, he prays, Jesus, receive my spirit. It's almost a way of saying, God, I'm turning it all over to you. God, I'm yours. There's nothing I can do in this situation. I am turning it totally over to you, God. Receive my spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, I've been, I've been studying Stephen for a month, and I told some ladies, I said, I feel like I've been stoned for a month. <laughs> just living Stephen's life. And really, just getting ready for this message, there has been opposition after opposition after opposition. Couldn't print my notes because my printer wouldn't work. But that was just one of the things. So I want to encourage you, if Best Buy says, oh, this printer is easy to set up, don't believe them. I bought a new printer. Called Diane. I said, I can't get this printer to work and I can't print my notes. And I'm just, you know, I mean, it bothered me so much. I'm in my bedroom crying. I was, I was mad. It's like, Satan, what are you doing? Everything seems to be coming against this. But Stephen 
found himself in this situation where things were definitely coming against him. You know, he was literally caught between a rock and a hard place. And yet he just prays and says, God, receive my spirit. I'm yours. Take me. I give it all to you. He was displaying surrender at that time, at that point. And again, when we read his, the, the, the scriptures, it never talks about him trying to defend himself or try to get them to stop. Instead, he just surrenders to what is happening at that moment. You know, when life closes in around us, sometimes it could be just maybe dissatisfaction with a job or marriage issues or financial issues. Can we be like Stephen and just say, I surrender, God. There's not anything I can do about it. I can only surrender it all to you. I give my life to you for guidance and for wisdom in this situation. Receive my spirit. Ever since I've been studying this, that, that, that phrase has really been in my mind. Can I, on a daily basis, receive my spirit, God? So he displayed surrender. The next thing that he's displayed is forgiveness. After he prays and says, Lord, receive my spirit, he says that it says that he fell on his knees and cried out, do not hold this sin against them. Just like Jesus. He is so displaying the glory of God. He's so displaying God in this situation. He's saying, do not hold the sin against them. He's praying right there for his murderers. Which, by the way, this was an illegal stoning. Normally, they would have to take it to the next court and have them tried and killed. But that shows how mad and how angry they were. They just drug him out. We're just going to do it now, even though it's not legal. But he prayed. He prayed for those you know, this, this, is, this is a kind of forgiving that can only come from the Holy Spirit. Oh my goodness, we, we have somebody throw words at us, and we're devastated. We're so upset. How dare they say that to us? And I think I've shared this before, but years ago, this woman called me a bad name on the phone, and I'd never been called a bad name. And then she hung up, and I'm like, I was devastated. I couldn't get it off my mind. She called me this bad word. You know, people will throw words at us and we're just so upset. Can't forgive them. Bitter. They did this to us. And yet here he's being stoned to death. He has no bitterness whatsoever and forgives them. I'll tell you, the things we need to forgive are nothing in light of forgiving someone that's killing us at that moment. I read this, it said, as rocks are flying and beating him down, and as his body is being bruised, as blood trickles from his flesh, Stephen lives Jesus. Stephen repeats Jesus. Jesus said the same thing, forgive those. And, Jesus, and Stephen displays Jesus. He isn't, it isn't about himself right now. It's nothing about himself. It's all about Jesus at this point. 
his whole life. And like I said, his whole life, maybe 12 months. And yet he's at this place that he's so mature in the Lord. It's all about you, God. It's all about you. The last thing that I believe he displayed was peace. It says that after he prayed to receive his spirit, prayed for those that were killing him, he says, the scripture says he fell asleep. What a beautiful picture of death. He fell asleep. Now, I have sleep issues. Mindy's already chuckling. Even when the girls were little, they go, Mom, you never sleep. I'll get them and say, oh, I didn't sleep. And they go, well, you never did. You know, so to them, it's no big deal. But with me now, it's like, you know, it's got to be perfectly quiet in the room. Can't turn the overhead fan on because it's blowing on me. Nothing can be touching me. Nothing can be. And I wear earplugs, <laughs> too. That's how I have to, in order to go to sleep. And here this guy's got rocks being thrown at him. And it just says he fell asleep. Now, we know it's death, but what a beautiful picture. You know, saints, our death is but falling asleep, isn't it? To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. It's just a falling asleep. And this is such a beautiful picture. He displayed such peace at that time. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I could have done what Stephen did. And yet we look at his story, and it's like he wasn't some super human person. He was a human being just like you and I. No different. Flesh. A man. And yet he was able to go through all of this with displaying courage and displaying faith, you know, displaying um, forgiveness, grace, surrender, and finally displaying peace in this situation. You know, when I think of peace and sleeping, I think of a little, of like a mother holding a baby, you know, that just falls asleep on her shoulder, so peaceful. And that's the end of Stephen. And we can look at the story and say, oh, that's the most saddest thing ever. And it is. He was the first Christian to be martyred. You know, the others, they'd thrown in prison, do other things to him. But this was the first one to be killed. And this type of persecution is what began the church to spread out of Jerusalem. What did Jesus say? You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. At this point, they're still in Jerusalem. They're still staying in Jerusalem. But once Stephen was stoned and once Stephen was killed, that persecution became even greater so that the church scattered. They spread. And guess where they went? Judea, Samaria, outermost parts of the world. So this, even though the death is a a sad story, God used this man's life to spread the gospel to the rest of the world. It wasn't in vain what he went through. It wasn't in vain. I found this quote and I really liked it. The story of Stephen is a story of a good death. Good death. Not because he was a martyr, but because he was prepared. 
He was prepared. When Norm talked about um, our, his situation, what we went through with his leukemia, he said, you do not wait until you're in the middle of a crisis. You do not wait till you're being stoned. You do not wait until the doctor says you have cancer to try to get right with God, to get on your knees, to try to get close, try to start hearing what he's saying. No, you prepare yourself so that when a crisis happens in your life, small or large, you know how to function. You know how to continue with courage, with no fear, surrender. You know, so often we get angry at God. Oh God, why, why did you allow this to happen? And we get angry and bitter at him instead of surrendering because we don't know what the outcome is. And I can remember that second night in the hospital laying over on my cot, I could hear Norm praying all through the night. And the next morning I said to him, I said, Norm, what is God saying to you? And he said, he's telling me that this is not for my death, but it's for his glory. It's for my good. It's for my good. And so often we face something and we think, oh, this is just horrible, it's just devastating, when all along... God has a reason for it because there's good that's going to come on the other side. Stephen was under the control of the Holy Spirit and his life and his death displayed the glory of God. I want to go back to the mannequins because I believe that when we are in the flesh, we're like a naked mannequin. Nothing to look at. Really not good for anything. When we're operating in the flesh. But when we're operating in the Holy Spirit and being controlled by the Holy Spirit, we have that grace, that forgiveness, that peace that courage, that act of surrendering. We have all that we can display, that God can display through us for his glory. Let's, let's personalize it. Is there something that you're facing this morning? Is there a mini crisis? You know, you wouldn't call it a big one like Stevens. But is there something that you're facing this morning? And... You might admit to me, I haven't been very courageous in this situation. I've been fearful and worried in this situation. I have been fighting this situation rather than surrendering it. I haven't been at peace. You know, I'm awake all night, can't, can't stop thinking about it. If that's you this morning, and I'll admit, it was me this week. Couldn't get that printer to work. It was me. But this man, pretty much a new Christian, was able to display all of these characteristics in his crisis, and there's only one reason, and that's because he was controlled by the Holy Spirit. 
He was full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, full of grace, full of power, full of the Holy Spirit, basically being controlled by the Holy Spirit. His mind, his will, his emotions, everything controlled by the Holy Spirit. I want to be at that place. I didn't take Norm's crisis as well as he did. I was worried. I cried. I was upset. How could God let this happen? I didn't react as he did. But I don't want that anymore. I want to be able to face whatever I have to face in this life with the with the characteristics of God and be able to display to the world because believe me, they are looking at us. If they know you're a Christian, they're looking. They're watching to see how you're going to react. How are you living out your life? Are you displaying God or are you just like them? No different. Display. Display. Could the worship team come and let's do that song, Surrender, that you did? I, I didn't really get any direction on how God wanted to end this today. But I do, as, as, they, as they sing, I do want to open up the altar. If you are here this morning and you are in the middle of something and you know that it's not going well and you know that you having, are having a difficult time, let somebody pray with you this morning. Or maybe, maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I Do not feel prepared in my spirit to face whatever God has for me. I do not not feel prepared. And I want to be. So if that's you, come forward and let someone pray with you. If you're here this morning, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, we want to pray with you. You know, because you you can't display Jesus if you don't have Jesus. Let's pray before they sing. Father, I just thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for this lesson today. You've so spoken to my heart over it. That God, you've done amazing and wonderful things for us, and we thank you for those things you've done. But God, we need to understand it's not just about us. But you have done all of this so that we can display your glory that we can display you to a world that is dying. And God, I just pray that you help us be prepared. Be prepared for whatever lies ahead in our life. Be prepared to operate with under the control of the Holy Spirit. Not in our flesh. Not in our flesh, but under the Holy Spirit, we pray. God, I just ask that you bless this congregation today. Lord, if, those, if there's those here that need prayer, that God, you will just minister to them this morning, I pray in Jesus' name.